What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. Your host, Jake Burns, and we are on your Tuesday episode. We had another 20 prospects in 20 days show up here, so want to talk about Christian Watson real quick. Obviously, looking at a lot of wide receivers in this pick 44 to 78 range, Watson, to me, in the 44 range or bust, he is uh, hyper-athletic, man, hyper-athletic. And he talked about the biggest thing for him is not going to be the change of athleticism, but it's, you know, just coming into the NFL level and believing in himself. He said back during the combine, this is a direct quote, I think the biggest challenge, whether you're coming from the FBS or FCS, is to be able to continually separate yourself as if you were playing for Alabama or you're playing for North Dakota State. You've got to separate yourself from everything else at the highest level possible. The biggest challenge going forward is able being able to separate myself and to prove that I'm one of the best and be able to hold that spot going forward. So he is... 64208 everything you want man he's actually going to be under 23 he would be the oldest second round selection the browns would have ever made uh with andrew barry cuz they've been 21 range but if they love the athlete which again his 10 ras score relative athletic score is the second best wide receiver score ever graded from 87 to this year okay he's a 94th percentile height player 91st percentile hand size, 97th percentile 10-yard split, 91st percentile 40-yard dash, 84th percentile vertical jump at 38.5, and 136 broad puts him at 98th percentile on that too, all across the board. Very tough to find a comparison for him. The only other real, I mean, freak of nature athletic comparison for a 10 RAS score is Calvin Johnson, but that's not who you're comparing him to. You want to talk about what Dane Brugler had to say about him. He's 61st overall on Dane's big board out of 100, 10th at wide receiver. He's a three-year starter at North Dakota State. Watson was an outside receiver and offensive coordinator Tyler Rolls' run-heavy scheme, a late bloomer who fell through the recruiting cracks. He developed into one of the best threats in the FCS, 20.4 yards per reception during his career with four touchdowns of at least 65 yards in 2021. With a smooth acceleration, Watson displays vertical tempo as a route runner, and as a quarterback friendly, he is quarterback friendly with the way he works back to the ball, extends to use his catch radius. He never faced an FBS opponent while in North Dakota State and will see a sizable jump in speed and physicality when facing NFL competition. Overall, though, Watson is unpolished as a route runner, must improve his consistency at the catch point, especially tracking deep throws. But he is an intriguing size speed athlete with the explosiveness to win vertically. He projects as a wide receiver four as a rookie with wide receiver two upside and offers kick return experience. Really a lot to me like Will Fuller, that type of player. Can you can you stomach that at pick 44? I don't know. Can you can you stomach that at 78? Sure, but 44, it's, you can see where it gets a little dicey. He's 101 on the Sports Info Solutions big board, 10th uh, overall receiver. Watson projects as a role-playing deep threat at the next level. He's tall, long, highly explosive wide receiver with a, cons- a constant threat to win deep, an asset in the run game because he blocks with uh, competitiveness and, and, and he blocks with an edge, likely be limited as a wide receiver, more of the jet fly sweeps and vertical route concepts until he can expand that route tree, can expand his separation and playing strength. He has the trace to be a solid special teams contributor, whether it's as a gunner or punt on punt team, sorry, or on the uh, kickoff team. Bringing that FCS All-American kick return ability will also be an added bonus. So there are highlights of Watson. I really don't think a guy with this body type and this testing, and he know, he put together nice FCS seasons. I don't think a guy like this gets out of 
pick 44. I really don't. Uh, I don't. I think he's gone by 44, just me personally, with the teams that are needy at wide receiver at the end of the first round and beginning of the second round. I think he's gone. I definitely think he's gone by 78. So there's highlights there. Watson's intriguing, a ton of tools. You can see where if he ends up missing as a player in the NFL, the reasons why he missed would be obvious. So check out Watson. Tomorrow we will have Alex Wright, the UAB edge. I'll talk about him to lead off the podcast. We're going to transition over to my visit on the OBR's Twitch Monday show where we talk about a ton of news. Denzel Ward, talk about uh, you know some Baker stuff from over the weekend, but Denzel Ward, the Sheldon Day resigning Michael Michael Dunn, and a couple others. We'll get to those topics with Ian McBride. Let's get over to that right now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jake, how are you doing? Uh, first off, we'll initially just throw it to you. The big news of the day, Denzel Ward extension. What are your thoughts? Good good signing. I mean, listen, there were people such as myself who brought on guests for podcasts and various other platforms where there was this floated idea that they could end up moving Ward and potentially go use that money on a couple different things. You know, maybe get a first round pick back, go out and get a wide receiver that we all know they they still sort of need. And then uh, you know, the opening of cap space, you could go get Stefan Gilmore. You could, you could keep more flexibility into the future. I thought that was really just, just talk. I mean, right. Like yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that you're ever going to, it's, it's, there's several different factors with Denzel. It's homegrown talent. You get your guys, you draft them, they play well for you. You want them to know there's a contract coming from you above all else. He's really good. He's really yeah. good. He's maybe not quite to that elite elite tier yet, but they view him as 24 and he's going to get there. They yeah. view him giving him the highest paid contract in cornerback market is a, a vote of confidence that, Hey, we believe you're really, really good. And we believe you're going to continue to get better. This is not a plateau for you. That's why obviously they draft young. That's why they try to resign guys young to maximize that value. Right? So Ward is very, very, very good thinking he can get to another level that helps. And then two, it's a homegrown story of Ohio, Northeast Ohio kid. And and it all meshes together. And and I don't think it's crazy to say that they needed some feel-good vibes after the public abuse from the Deshaun Watson situation. So, yeah. you know, people are on top of them for that choice, and I get it. So they needed to keep a guy who's done everything the right way and a, a face of the franchise and all of that. So, like, I, I think it was a, the right move. You extend quarterbacks, tackles defensive ends and corners like th those are the guys yeah. you need to be good in the nfl we know how vital afc north 
throwing the football is in this division. And you know, you're seeing that play right in front of you. It was a huge game changing play in that game in Cincinnati. And Beautiful Denzel photo can do too. those things. It's a great photo. Yeah. So I listen, you, you, there's no reason to be upset about this. You could have a little bit of a hesitancy about, Hey, he's missed uh, 15, 20% of games every year in the NFL, but that's still not enough to give me major concern. I still think as a 24 year old, his body's not even fully developed. He's getting there, but he's, he's getting closer to that peak athletic age. But like, yeah, man, I have no doubt that this is not only a payment for production, how well he's played, but a payment because they believe he's getting better, going to keep getting better, and they believe in him as a forefront uh, member of the franchise, man. Yeah, 24 years old. It's crazy to think uh, that he's already played four years in the NFL. Um, he's he's going to get that, uh, that money, and the contract will run through about 29. And, and you think about these big contracts given to people at this age is sort of why they want to draft why this age guardrail has been a thing for the Browns, not only because, hey, now it's running through 29 years old, but if they get to year three and they need to push money down the road uh, and give them an ex- extension, they're not giving an extension into his mid-30s. They're giving an extension to, you know, 30, 31, where they can still expect a high level of play. So uh, it, it's really just kind of the Browns draft strategy working out, and they have really kept their guys aggressively. Um this uh this past season uh, with uh, Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio as well so great to see Ward back uh so happy to see it Warpath EGH with the subscription thank you very much and I believe I missed Red Leader 74 earlier on gave us a subscription as well ridiculous amount of subs thank you very much um any other thoughts on uh Denzel Ward before we move on to some of the other uh some of the other stories we got I should mention too, he turns 25 in like uh, 10 days. He's the 28th of yeah. April birthday. So he'll play 25 this year, but still very young for his position um, to go into your second contract at 25 is pretty rare. And and like we said, they think he's going to keep getting better. So 25 through 29, add in 20 is maybe it's 30 age, 30 year. You could even get to 31 and yeah, it's an exciting thing, man. Good football player. Yeah, great to see him back. Uh, four more football players, like we talked about with Fred, coming back as well. Uh, well, three coming back, one new. Uh, Stefan Weatherly, I believe, was his name. Not a person I'm super familiar with. But they also brought back Michael Dunn, Jamarcus Bradley, Sheldon Day. Uh, three people who we've talked about the, on this channel a lot because we spent a lot of time last year talking about you know potential roster cuts, and those guys were all on the edge. Thoughts on those three uh, and their future with the Browns? You know, Weatherly, I don't know much about. I have not really paid much attention to him. I've I've seen him from afar as a name on Minnesota's roster, rotational guy. You can see a little bit of time here and there, special teams oriented. Did not pay much attention. I'll have to look into some of his tapes, see if there's anything worthwhile there. He strikes me as a placeholder, a fringe roster guy that might, uh, that might end up making the roster, might not. Uh, depends on what they view him as, whether they view him as depth or something along those lines, or whether they view him as... Again, just a body to placehold. I'm a big believer in Michael Dunn. I think he can play all yep. three interior offensive line positions. He battled a back injury last year, so that didn't help his cause. He didn't remain very healthy throughout the year and didn't get a ton of opportunities because of that back that started up and flared up in the late preseason. So, yeah, I, I still believe Michael Dunn's a good football player. Callahan believes he's a good football player. He's talked about that several times. So I like bringing I like bringing him back, and I think it brings some stability along that interior because you know, even though they signed went out and signed Ethan Posich, I think that they they still believe that they need to keep hands, they need to keep uh, done, and 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 really have some nice options there. We know how quickly 
your depth can get chewed up in the NFL along the offensive line. We know no better than the case that was last year, right? Yeah. So, yeah, they'll keep a lot of these guys as, as long as they can keep them for cheap. And then Sheldon Day, I mean, you got to keep a guy. You got to keep – when you're literally sitting there with three defensive tackles on your roster already, Sheldon Day had some flashes of some nice performances last year. Not a lot of snaps. I think he was under like 200 total snaps. But I think that uh, I think that for the most part, pretty good football player in a, in a very limited role. If you can keep him around 20 snaps, he can pass rush a little bit. He can he can play with effort. I don't really hope they have odds on banking on him as a starter. I, yeah. I really don't think that's a thing. It could be if they if they strike out on some of these other veterans. But as I sit here, I really don't think that. He would be a starter, but he's a nice depth piece. He played well last year. Again, you what, what I want to see is defensive tackles making some flash plays here and there, and I thought Sheldon did a really nice job of stepping up to the table and making some flash plays. When given the opportunity, they were sort of floating him as a strong side edge sometimes. They would move him back inside. Maybe they'll clear up the picture for him this year. Maybe let him play a little more uh, along the interior as a zero nose or a shade when they go odd front stuff. So we'll see what happens. He's got, he's got nice opportunity here because – you know, Tommy Togiai and Jordan Elliott are not world beaters, so obviously you have a real chance to get some snaps. And them bringing him back says enough about him that they want to give him another opportunity. So I would think as we sit here in April, he is a candidate for a, a pretty large increase in opportunity compared to last year. And I think that's justifiable based on what's on the roster, but I hope that they aren't done at this point. And I wouldn't presume yep. they are at defensive tackle, whether in 10 days at the draft or uh in free agency now until camp starts right so yeah yeah more to come uh speaking of you know some of that free agency um expectation we had uh jack duffin on earlier who broke down the the cab the expectation is that the denzel word extension will free up uh he said somewhere between five to nine million in cap um if you're the Browns, let's let's go outside of Jadavion Clowney, who is the number one guy you are jumping at, maybe tr- throwing a one-year $10 million deal uh, now with that money. Who's the number one guy? $10 million. I don't even know if there's a $10 million player. Maybe Akeem Hicks. I mean, it depends on how healthy you think Hicks is going to be. So he's like a candidate to me. There's probably not a $10 million wide receiver. I think as we sit here, the names that continue to be popular, Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, Linval Joseph, all of those veteran one-year defensive tackles make sense to me. On the edge, Jerry Hughes makes sense to me. Um, you could talk me into Justin Houston. I think Justin Houston's still available. Yeah, uh, you could probably talk me into. There's one other veteran that is not uh, Melvin Ingram. You could talk me into yeah. Melvin Ingram too. So there are guys out there that are veterans along defensive line. I don't know what's holding everything up. We'll see. I think you can piece together a version of Clowney. We have been over this ad nauseum at the OBR yeah, yeah, yeah. that you can you can really put together a version of Clowney if you don't get him to come back. But at this point, I can't see Clowney having a very hot market. I can't. I mean, he would have made a decision by now. He'd already made it last year. So anyway, yeah, those guys are interesting offense. You got Fuller, you know, Emmanuel Sanders is out there. Um, Keelan Cole, I think, is still a free agent. I think Julio Jones is out there, but I don't don't think that's – I don't think they're looking at Julio. The corpse of Julio Jones, right? Uh, It would be be interesting, you know, because that was – they traded traded away the pick and they got so much hate for that. Yeah, they could could full circle uh, both the Watson pick and Jones pick in one season, right? So, yeah, I mean, there's names out there. I don't know that there's many outside of classy, clowny, many, like, high-class – free agent names but there's four or five players in my opinion that could be added to the picture there so we'll see what shakes out i don't 
know. Maybe this is what the Ward extension is. If the Ward extension is opening up a little bit more money this year because you push a little bit down the road, you you maybe uh, try to get the Baker Mayfield deal done somewhere, and then you have more cap than you have currently, and then you start making some of those aggressive moves. So the this, I think Jack had had a good point that typically they do deals over the summer. This is a bit of a surprising contract to get done at this point because it's 10 days before the draft when all focus is on the draft. When, when I've yeah. had conversations with Jack or anybody looking at when those deals typically get done, it's typically a summer thing. Draft is over. Rookie mini camp is over. All right, now we got a dead period. Let's talk to the agents. Let's get some deals done. Miles deal was done a couple of years ago over the summer. Like it, it's a logical summer thing. So getting this deal done now does tell me at least gives me an indication that they're looking to free up some immediate cap space to go get some people. The other piece of that puzzle is obviously moving Baker's 19 million or whatever portion of that they're able to move. And then you've opened up maybe 25, 27 million. Then you can go get some of those guys that we're talking about here, make some of those aggressive moves where maybe a guy like Jerry Hughes says, Hey man, I'll sign now for eight, but I'm not going to sign for five and and an option or something like that. So that to me is what this move timing indicates. I was all about signing Denzel Ward whenever they could, but the yeah. logical part of it said summer. So if they're doing it now to speed up the schedule, to have an aggressive 10 days moving Baker and then signing some people that would alleviate some of our concerns about D tackle, the second edge, maybe, you know, we got, they got Ronnie Harrison back. So that's alleviated some of the safety concern, but there definitely is a wide receiver concern still. So yeah, there's there's moving parts there. If you were to ask me, do you think this move does open up space to go get other players? I think it indicates that's a part of the puzzle that, that they're trying to maneuver here. Yeah, and then one other thing is is Jair Alexander, uh, who is the other cornerback who is who was looking to get a big extension. Maybe they wanted to get in under that. Uh, Green Bay, no idea what they're going to do with their first round picks. They may be looking to trade for somebody with a bigger contract. So uh, you expect that they'll get that sorted out during the draft or, or or before it and then after that is sorted out they move on to the Jerry alexander extension getting denzel ward in now means they don't have to compete against whatever extension jair gets yeah. um uh, question from dr nico well, well i wanted to talk about baker here in just a second but question from dr nico anybody available by trade that they uh, make clear they use this cleared space for well, the, the name that has really only been of interest to me is Grady Jarrett, the defensive tackle down in Atlanta. I've thought that it, it, Jarrett's last year of his deal, Atlanta clearly, having moved on from Matt Ryan, didn't get Watson, is going to be in a rebuilding phase. Getting something back for Jarrett in the last year of his deal made sense. I don't really go out and explore the free agent market, or sorry, the trade market at this time. It's kind of hard to pinpoint some of those guys. But to me, moving Jarrett would be a wise move for Atlanta. Massive need for Cleveland. Yeah, maybe that would be something I would be interested in, but I can't totally speak to whether that's true or not. So, uh, but but that's the guy on the on the trade market that I've been most interested in. All right, interesting to watch. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how those moves shake up uh, towards the draft. Um, when uh, when people go off the board, people may be uh, more interested in trading for, uh, you know, for a, for a veteran player if they miss their guy. So, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Baker. One of the big stories. Uh, surrounding the Browns, not really about the Browns, but surrounding the Browns um, was Robbie Anderson of the Panthers coming out and multiple times, I think three or four different times, uh, slamming Baker Mayfield uh, with the rumors uh, coming out that Carolina is interested in bringing in Baker Mayfield. Obviously, Matt Rule kind of coaching for his life there. uh, So maybe looking for a veteran quarterback like Baker Mayfield. Um, 
do you my opinion and i'll just say this is my opinion and then you can you know tell me i'm wrong or you can give yours i feel like this is unfair towards baker when you have people like robbie anderson coming out saying oh i'd rather have sam darnold i think people are underestimating how good baker is he's not obviously he's that sort of andy dalton type he's not sam darnold he's not that bad it's 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 one of those things it's like i, I feel like i'm taking crazy pills this is, is, is are people really valuing sam darnold over baker mayfield considering their careers so that that's my opinion what are your thoughts about all this carolina stuff all this robbie anderson stuff i i don't think it it's pretty simple that baker's been far better than darnold i mean i i, I it's some it's very simple but it might be like with we don't have Robbie Anderson saying that right we have Robbie Anderson saying he don't want to play with Baker Mayfield I don't think that's an unpopular opinion across the NFL it's going to be honest if you think Baker Mayfield rubs players the wrong like every guy the right way I think you're living in a fantasy world I think there are a lot of people that do not like Baker Mayfield the player on the football field is is good enough to start we all know that he could start for a lot of teams in the NFL next year the problem is the person what the person has done, what the person has said, how the person has acted over the course of four years that has rubbed franchises the wrong way around him, that has rubbed players the wrong way around him, and this is what you get. You don't get the benefit of the doubt when you've done these things and you've lived this way for four years. So now when you need other people to believe in you or to take a risk on you, they're not going to be inclined to do so. There is not a single piece of evidence that, that Baker can't start as a football player, find the football field, better than Sam Darnold, no doubt. But the problem is the way Baker has acted towards people, the things we know, the things we don't know, and it is clearly a portrayal around the league that is not favorable. So I'm not surprised when guys like Robbie Anderson say they don't want to play with him. They'd rather not play with him. And it's it's this this, this thing where two things can be true. The Browns could have maybe handled the situation poorly in terms of getting the most for Mayfield, and Mayfield could have handled the situation poorly for years to audition for other teams. Because even when you're in your, your your best form on your own team, you're ultimately auditioning for other teams too if they want to trade for you down the line or whatever. So, like, I just think that there's a lot of Bakers getting, like, there's people passing this blame off to the Browns. It's their fault, their fault, their fault. Hey, man, I'll put, continue to point to this. If he was a likable enough human being and you believed in him, $19 million for a franchise quarterback you believe in, it's nothing. It's nothing yeah. in modern football. He would have been dealt to somebody by now. So, yeah, there's more than one thing true. The Browns have not handled Mayfield's uh, peak, peak. Uh, let's say this, maximizing Mayfield's value as they could have. I truly think they thought they were out on Watson, and then it happened that they got back into the thing with Watson, and all of a sudden they were ill-prepared for having something set up for Mayfield. But they did. that's, you know, hey, we'd rather botch the Mayfield thing than botch getting a quarterback here we really want. So they're trying to get out of that hole they've dug themselves. But also Mayfield is not universally loved across the league. So like it's he's he's not an easy guy to work with, as our as yeah. our guy there is saying. He it's a fact. It's out there. You don't have to search very hard for finding out that Mayfield loves Mayfield and he's that's the guy he is. And that might be the thing that you like about him, but I can tell you that's that's a thing that a lot of people don't like about him. And unfortunately, until a deal is made. People can get as defensive as they want and say, well, move on. You got to move on. Stop talking about it. He's a member of the Cleveland Browns. We're going to talk about yeah. him until he's traded. And that's an element, too, that you have to think about for the organization. They have to keep thinking about him, too, until he's traded. So there's pressure from the organization to get this figured out because, like, 
These this offseason program starts tomorrow, and technically Mayfield could show up. It could show up. So, you know, there's all of this stuff looming. The Browns are walking and trying to dance around the fire here, getting a trade for him, not losing all this money, not losing all this capital, maybe getting something in return. But Mayfield, again, you go back, guys, and watch, like listen to the thing, read the articles about him before he was drafted. He was telling teams, picking 15, 16, 17, I don't need your playbook. I'm not going to get picked there. That's how you burn a bridge with other franchises that now – are looking to say, well, you know, we're, our interactions with Baker were not great, and we don't really want that around yeah. our franchise. All that stuff catches up with you when you don't have a franchise backing you the way Cleveland backed him for four years. So I'm not surprised by it. I think it's a mixture. A large part of the pie goes to Mayfield for how he's acted um, as far as a professional goes. I don't know Mayfield the person, but the professional uh, quarterback, how he's acted, has not yielded uh, a ton of people loving him. And he's, yes, he's getting humbled right now. Um, but we'll see if that humble that like, if Mayfield was a great guy, maybe this trade would have been done by now, like a great yeah. in organization guy. Maybe that trade gets done by now, but there's clearly issues there. And while the Browns didn't help anything, Mayfield has crumbled his own value. And now you have this, what do we do? And that's what we're in the middle of. We'll see how it shakes out. But I mean, guys like Robbie Anderson saying like, you know, Robbie Anderson's an, Come on. I mean, he's, he's, he's fine. I mean, he's a heck of an athlete and all that good. He's an NFL. He would be better if he could catch. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't matter. Go watch his Sir Per video. It's out there. Robbie Anderson's fine. He's a dude. He's a Jag. He's an NFL guy though. So comparison to me, he's fantastic, but like, like he's just a guy, but that guy's opinion is not, that's not unique. There's a lot of guys in the league that don't like him. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. We saw it. We saw it publicly. I think a lot of wide receivers in the league, um, really respect Odell uh just threat even the young guys uh Robbie Anderson's I think about the same age but he came into the league a couple years later you know they watched OBJ do this stuff in New York in these primetime games and uh they respect him a lot as a player and the ones who've met him as a person so when you see what happened with uh, Odell versus Baker last year essentially I think a lot of people were paying attention to that and it's it's yeah. unfortunate that it had to be public like that it would have been Nice if that, you know, we never knew anything about it, but that's just the reality of it. Um, we had about five minutes. If you guys got any other questions, uh, I had something that I am completely blanking on. Oh, uh, in terms of the contract, uh, just th- this is why I sort of it's like I'm, I'm taking crazy pills. When you look at some of the like people who know they're kind of paying for a low end starter in the NFL, Teddy Bridgewater got 20 million a year and Caroline, I think knew he was going to be, you know, the 20th or 25th best quarterback in the NFL when they gave him that deal. Jameis Winston is getting 14 million a year. And it's like, these teams know that they're not like these high end starters. So the idea of 18 million for Baker Mayfield being a high number is, is the thing that that bugs me. Like everybody's talking about, Oh, they can't trade Baker's contract. And it's like, if, if a team views him as a starting quarterback, 18 million is below market value. For what he can provide. Yeah, that's that's a huge part of things that I don't think uh, I don't think people discuss enough. You can have whatever opinion you want to have about Mayfield, whatever opinion you want to have about how the Browns have handled this. If teams believed, believed, believed he was a dude and he was set to have a great year and we think he could be the future answer for us. Nineteen million to get a head start on this guy. No problem. We'll take him. Sign the check. It's done. But that's not it. It's not, they don't see him that way. 
They don't see the person that way. They don't see the player that way. And that's why the situation is a situation. It's a very easy thing to understand to me. I think people have made this more confusing than it needs to be. Mayfield, what you what people in Cleveland and a lot of people have given him credit for, that they've lauded him for, is he's got this brash attitude. He's he's uh he's, you know, for lack of a better word, a prick. And we love that. That's our guy. Well, that doesn't rub people the right way. And when teams sit down to judge rosters and judge players coming up as open opportunities to go get them, we don't want to deal with that guy. We don't want anything to do with him. We don't like how he handles himself. We don't like the locker room culture he had, he uh, brings about with him. So it's not at all surprising to me. Now, if you're good enough, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're good enough, it doesn't ultimately matter. You can be whatever type of person you want to be, but he's not that guy. He has not figured out the stuff off the field. He's not had the self-awareness off it, has not found self-awareness on it. And maybe that comes. I don't know, but I don't think the NFL is going to be patient enough to give him that opportunity yeah. unless he figures it out real quick. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, wish, I wish him all the success in the world uh, for what he did for the Browns. It just uh, it's It's really interesting to see all this stuff sort of play out in a, in a different way than what you'd expect, you know, compare even to Sam Darnold last year, who was, you know, he was basically traded for almost just potential when he was in a bad situation with the jets and, you know, got, I think two second round picks or something like that, or a second and a third. Uh, and, and there was basically no, nobody come, there's nobody on the jets coming out and saying, Oh, thank God he's gone. Or there's nobody on the Panthers coming out and say, Oh, dang. And I hate that we got Sam Darnold. So he's just a more controversial figure, um, which tells you some of the people that played with him have, have not, not had the best experience. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think we we're we're just about finished for the day. Any other thoughts? Uh, you know, the big news that came out today. I don't know if you saw the Hugh Jackson story, uh, which we probably don't need to talk about because it's a Hugh Jackson story. Um, but any other any other thoughts uh, before we head out of here, Jake? No, no thoughts. It's going to be hard to prove what they're trying to prove with that uh, with that situation. And and I get it. the The tanking stuff is out there, and maybe Cleveland's letting them investigate uh, to make the NFL look good. I don't know. Whatever you want to claim, but. It's hard to really prove that. It's really hard to prove it. I don't think anything's upcoming of it, but um, I, you know, the NFL should be looking into these things. So I applaud yeah. them for that. But it's, it's just the burden of proof is going to be really difficult. So I don't yeah. imagine anything it, comes of it. According to the Browns uh, spokesperson, Hugh had already recanted the statement. So this is obvious. Yeah. This is just kind of, you know, just. Yeah, what's uh, what's the term? This is just being is just, they're just being thorough. They're just being thorough and making sure there's nothing there because there is nothing there. So, um, but yeah, let's uh, let's let's end on the good news. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, shout out to Ian McBride for hosting the show, having me on. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that little bit. We're going to close with what we always close with here, which is, well, not always. We're doing this this week, the last nine days. Going to do a quick mock draft every episode. We did the draft network for this one. If you check out yesterday's Monday quick hitter, we did Pro Football Focus. So draft network, man, there's a lot of guys that I would have liked to have taken starting around pick 36. Not trading in this one either. Trades will happen later in the week. 
Daxton Hill's gone at 36 with the Giants like him. David Ojabo, 37 to the Texans, 38 Perion Winfrey to the Jets, 39 Sky Moore to the to the Bears. You had Christian Watson, who we just talked about earlier in this episode, gone at 42 to the Colts, and 43 is George Pickens, a wide receiver. So Desmond Ritter is still sitting on the board, which I do not think that player will be sitting there. Boy, does this board fall pretty strange. Um, Cameron Thomas is here, who I like a lot. Logan Hall is already gone. We talked about this player over the weekend. I, I, If you listen to yesterday's pod, recap some of our write-up of him. It's hard to see. It's not a perfect fit. And Corey Kennan put up today on the OBR the perfect players based on Brown's draft history in terms of like athleticism, age. I'm not sure Travis Jones is the perfect fit body type, but he's a perfect fit for what they need, the UConn product, defensive tackle. And he's a good athlete, and he's young. So I'm going to take Travis Jones there. I don't think that's a stretch to think at 44 they would take Jones uh, if if the names I said were already gone. So Nick Cross is off the board, as we said, looking at players. Josh Pascal is off the edge. Brian Cook is off the board. So this is going to get bleak quick in terms of guys that you have heard me talk about. Leo Chennault being here at 78, nice player. John Mechie's here, wide receiver. I think if John Mechie's here, Khalil Shakir, Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama, talked about Kyle Phillips when I took him yesterday. If John Mechie's here at pick 78, you sprint the card up. I think that's an easy selection. The wide receiver from Alabama fitting that role as a Z, can play a little bit of X, can do a little bit of everything. A nice step in, ready to play for win. Either they keep Amari Cooper long term or they don't. You have options there. So... Now you start looking at guys who can either win off the edge or you look at a linebacker you fall in love with or a safety or a corner. Tyreek Smith is here. MyJ Sanders is here from Cincinnati. Um, You have Wondell Robinson. Kyle Phillips is still here, but I don't think they'll double up at wide receiver just yet if they like an edge. I'm going to take Sam Williams. Again, Browns have shown that they will take the Ole Miss product. They will take a player who has a troubled history if they have you know, come out of it without any issues being proven. I mean, it's just their history now at this point. So that's who you would take. Pick 118. Now you start to get into, is there a tight end you love? Is there a linebacker you really like here? Is there an offensive lineman you really like? Top of the board, Fidarian Mathis from Alabama's here. Sanders still on the board from Cincinnati. He's just a little old for my liking. D'Angelo Malone is also here. Zach Tom. I think Zach Tom is a really good fit for this team. I'm going to go with Zach Tom from Wake Forest. I like the offensive line continuing to be developed. Now we go in the long haul, all the way running out. And again, Zach Tom, offensive tackle at Wake Forest, but they project him more as an inside player who can have some flexibility to play guard or center. I think he could be a nice center, good push eventually there for Nick Harris, but could, you know, could be a guard. He's just very technically sound, really like the player. I'm kind of keying in on tight end, defensive back with the next three picks. Those are positions I'd really like to get a player I like. So we'll try to take a look at who's left on the board at 202. We're coming up on pick 202. See if there's a tight end we love. See if there's a corner we love. Corner's kind of getting run down. I like Tariq Castro-Fields from Penn State, good athlete. I like Kalen Barnes. He's just a little older. Other guys on the board, Tyquan Thornton, a Baylor wide receiver who can flat-out burn. Let's look at corner specifically. Again, this is a speed mock. I'm taking too long as it is. 
All right, Chase Lucas from Arizona State. I think he's more of a preferred free agent type. Personally, he's too old, but he's a fun player, and the Browns are connected to him at the Shrine Bowl, so remember that name, Chase Lucas. At safety, not a ton of guys you really like here at safety. Marquise Bell from Florida A&M is interesting. Smoke Monday is interesting, one of the better names in the entire draft. But again, I don't want to force anything there. Tight end, Connor Hayward I like a lot. That's about it. Tight end gets really, really closed up quickly. I'd look at Hayward later if they don't draft a tight end earlier. Um, So let's look at, is there a wide receiver you love here? You do like Thornton. You do like Eric Kazama from Texas Tech. Let's try to look at the whole board again. We're not doing this as lightning quick. Let's let's go ahead and take Castro Fields from Penn State. Move on. Pick 223 is coming up. Tyquan Thornton's there with that speed. He is tough to pass up if you're double-dipping wide receivers. He's still there. You got a DB you really like. We're going to take Thornton. He's a 4-2-5-40 guy adding another wide receiver. Again, we're doing this thing on the fly. See what's left. See if there's a linebacker we really like at this spot. Chance Campbell from Ole Miss. We will go with Chance Campbell from Ole Miss. So let me read the picks off to you in this Tuesday mock on the fly. We made the picks for Cleveland. Travis Jones, pick 44. John Mechie, pick 78. I'm good. That's a good draft for me. Two players you need. Sam Williams from Ole Miss at 99. Zach Tom from Wake Forest, the offensive tackle at 118. Pick 202, Tariq Castro-Fields, the corner from Penn State. Wide receiver from Baylor, Tyquan Thornton. Pick 223 and 246 is Chance Campbell from Ole Miss. That's a wrap on today's episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Another speed mock. We'll have those the rest of the time running up to the draft. Make sure you check out the OBR. Some really good articles going up there. Keep supporting the Twitch. I'll have a dueling mock draft show for you up tonight with somebody from Baltimore to cover how they're going to go about the draft. Should be a fun show. So check that out. Check out the website. Keep supporting this podcast. Appreciate you guys so much. Going to be live in Vegas next week for the draft. You'll want to check out all the episodes. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. Go Browns. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.